Oh, we're aha. Hi, John Biner. How you doing, Vicky? You know, I'm so much better now. I am so excited to be sitting here with you. And so am I. Excited to be here with you. Oh, you know, I've heard nothing but what a nice guy you are, and it's true. It is true. It is true because <laughs> I, I gave you. I gave you. Why, I mean, why not be nice? Why, and it doesn't take anything to be nice. It's just it's very relaxing to be mean. It takes a lot, a lot of hate, a lot of gruntledness, whatever you want to call it. But you, if you're happy, you may as well share it. You know, I mean, why be a grunt? I think that shows in everything that you do. Well, good. And, and also, it's so apparent in your book. Your book, you say in your book, how do you, how do you put it? You said something about why talk about the net. You talk yeah, about. Yeah, everybody has their problems and why talk about them in the book. You know, if there's some time when we're locked in a room and you got nothing else to talk about, maybe you get into it. But uh, but it's all fun stuff. And that's the way I like to think of my past. It's all fun. It's all good. And then I'm, I'm here and I'm happy. You know, and that's so wonderful. And I, I, my first question was going to be, so was there anybody who didn't make you happy? But I don't want to take you to the dark place. <laughs> that's the other book. <laughs> that's the other book. That's yeah. the other book. Because there's, there, your book is so filled. You're a wonderful storyteller. Thank you very much. And you're also a wonderful writer, which is very refreshing. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And Doug Wellman, man who helped me with it, he... He, he put it in place and he did the little teaser with the Sullivan thing you're on tonight and uh, that kind of thing. Which, which is all, it's, it's just, um, it's thrilling to read it because it's such a, a travel back in time uh, when you talk about Ed Sullivan and that whole yeah. time, yeah. that whole era of the village. Um, we're going to talk about how you started. Your family, okay, so I'm going to speak to you as if I haven't read a word of your book and we won't. We're not going to tell too much that's in the book. So people. Good. Excellent. Some people like me to say something about the book. And I figure by the time they read it, if they hear it on the radio or the television, they're going to say, hey, I heard this before. Where did exactly. I hear it before? You know? So we want to keep a lot of those stories fresh. But there's but some of it is just it's 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 worth hearing more than once. Yeah. Uh, your experience with Ed Sullivan and all of that is is so exciting. But yeah. let's go back as a kid. What were your parents? Funny? Pardon where they were. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mom and dad. Dad was a very funny guy. He was a really funny guy. He used to play tricks on us like that. Sometimes he'd be home and we'd run home from school for lunch, Tom and I, my brother Tom and I. And uh, we'd run home from school. And, and this one time he had these uh, these uh, play, these bowls you could see through, you know, clear glass, pure right. glass, clear glass. And, and, uh, and he'd slip some rubber bands under them on the table. And and, and uh, he said, "Come on, sit down." We sat down. And he poured the soup, and in the last second, we could just see the soup falling on these rubber bands. And we tried like hell to get the rubber bands out of the soup while we were drinking it. <laughs> and he, you know, he'd do little things like that. You know, he was uh, very very funny with food. <laughs> very funny with food. And yeah. did you, when when did you know? Like when did you know you were funny? Did you always know you were funny? <laughs> no. <laughs> How does anybody know they're funny? Well, <laughs> no, but I, you know, I, I went to different schools at different times, sometimes mid-season, and I'd had to get in the clicks, and so I'd, I'd throw a couple of voices out and get their attention, and then I'd be welcomed in that whatever click I was trying to get in. And sometimes <laughs> in a new school, you'd be talking to some kind kid, and you'd walk him home and all that kind of stuff, and after a while, people would get to know you in the class, and they'd say, why were you talking to him? <laughs> 
you know, he was like the class strange person, but I found him okay. So, so why were you always, because I was a new kid because my parents were divorced and I was moving around. Why were you in a lot of schools, John? Different schools? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was born, we lived, uh, we lived in Corona, Long Island. And then uh, when I was three and a half years, my first memory of, I was three and a half years old, walking up these little steps to, uh, and, and mom said, she had my brother Tom in her arms and she said, Johnny, this is your new home. And, and that was, I was three and a half years old. And then the end of the war came and uh, my father was laid off. And so we took the big house and went out to Merrick, Long Island, got a smaller house and off there while it work and all that kind of stuff. They couldn't hold on to that. So we went out to Bohemia where we got two houses, <laughs> five acres. And uh, they sold the front house, which was the big, strong first house. And we lived in the back house, which was like a summer house. And we had some wicked winters and uh because it wasn't insulated and that's the way life was but we had singing and we had love and we had food on the table and uh and that's that's why all the different schools and so was it joyous uh you guys went through a lot and you had a lot of which yeah yeah there was mom was working dad wasn't feeling too well and all that kind of stuff but he took care of us and he helped us with our bicycles and he hit, hit balls out to us sometimes you know in the backyard and uh and we had a life. We had goats and uh, you know and all that kind of good stuff. And and when we lived in the country, and I I liked the country and I I enjoyed it a lot. And then we had to move after he passed away back into Queens, New York, and we got accustomed to how to have fun in Queens. You know, it wasn't exactly as healthy as out in Long Island, but you know, we played with you know with uh, getting on the subways and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it's in the book. Yes, I know. I read about I was very excited because your sister went to my alma mater. We both went to Newtown. Newtown High, yeah. yeah. Which is also where Don Rickles was. Right on the road from my house, yeah. yeah. So, and you did not go there. Um, no, no. I went to high school, Rockville Center, Long Island, which I call my hometown because that's the one we lived in longest when I was a kid. And I liked it. It was, uh, it was fun. We lived upstairs with my sister Miriam. She bought a house with an apartment upstairs, its own entrance and all that good stuff. So uh, we had a nice house. And Tom, Tom and I had our own beds, which was really wonderful. And, uh, and uh, you know, I went to school in Rockville Center. And I still, I still have friends that go there. And I go to the class reunions and oh. all that good stuff. Yeah. That's so sweet that you have... Uh... A uh, normal life. <laughs> I really like that. What, what, what for you, yeah. When you were at the height of celebrity, were, were you still a normal guy? Always. 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 I, I lived uh, kind of, you know, I, I, I'm a romantic kind of guy, so I, I may not have been able to afford a boat, but I bought a boat, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of, my kids had a great life. We had, out in Malibu, we had horses and and ducks and all that good stuff, dogs and cats and all that wonderful stuff, you know. So life is good. Life is very good. I, I think life is good because you've made it so, because you believe it so. And my sisters and my brothers and and friends and family uh, made it so too. You know, you have to have friends and you have to have family that encourage you and everybody loves everybody else. and. You know, you don't hear about that too much in my life. You know, guys are talking to their sons or their daughters and, you know, and I go, what the heck is it all about if that's what you wind up with in life, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I have a feeling that some guys are so into the business, you know, with the agents and the this and the that's and the big, and it's got to be more and it's got to be that, but that, but that. And, and then just before they take their last breath, they said, gee, you know, I should have had a life. <laughs> and so you've always had a life. No matter, no matter how popular, the more popular they are, the more trouble they get into. The more popular they are, the more people follow them around with cameras and, and say things in the crowd and some stupid things and, you know, mostly nice things. But there's a, one of the two things that don't, you know, ring well or ring true to your ear. And, uh, you know. So it doesn't sound like you chased. It sounds like you you loved what you did and you did what you loved. It doesn't sound like you were chasing some. No, no, the, the cover of Time magazine and all that kind of stuff that the guys had that I started out with that are no longer living wasn't my, my goal. My goal was to have a good time and raise my kids and and and, and hope they, they, they grow up to be decent human beings and and that kind of thing. You know, we'd, we'd go together places, I'd take them with me and one at a time, sometimes you get closer to each one and, mm -hmm. and we had a life, you know. Well, you know, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't a, a a rich life, but uh, but but a good one. And as I say, we all love each other, so what could be bad about that? There is absolutely nothing bad. I, I'm loving this story. You are you are chicken soup for the COVID soul, is what you're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that um, the people who watch this show were known as the COVID crazies. How are you handling this whole? Annie is a nut carry. She always gives me the death toll every morning. She watches the news and, you know, I don't think it's funny at all, but I just get tired of hearing about it at this point in time. You know, how, and I, how careful are you guys? Pardon me? How careful are you? The life that you're well, living? Well, we do the mask and the gloves and, uh, you know, we, we have a little meeting here in, in the place where I live uh, and uh, we all gather around in folding chairs outside, you know, and and have a drink and talk a little louder to each other to you know, <laughs> make up the difference. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you, you live, you live, uh, you live according to what you you have to do in the world. You know, I I grew up. I, I remember the air raids when I was a kid. Wow. And one of us would have a fever, and we'd hear the, the air raid warden yelling up, "Turn that light out!" <laughs> and the sirens and all this good stuff. You know, I figured, hey, we lived through that. They lived through it. That with the with the coupons and all that kind of stuff. And if you know the butcher, holy cow, are you in? You know, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we lived through that. And we lived through it. And we lived through the other things. And we lived through the other thing. We lived through this. Then you get the politics out of it. And everybody'd be saying, hey, you know, let's do something. But the politics are in there. He's not wearing a mask. Why should I? He's not wearing a mask. You know, Lone Ranger wore a mask. I know. Did you see that horrible picture of him where he actually wore his mask up on his eyes? To, he said, I feel like the Lone Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> he actually did that. Why not? <laughs> well, why not, I guess. Um, <laughs> you also have a really good attitude about this, about COVID. And it doesn't sound like there's a lot of fear in your life, John. No, I mean, what good does it do? It makes you sick is what fear does. You know, you worry about everything, it makes you sick. People have a little pain in their hip and they go fly into the doctor and he says, try this, try that. And then they got problems with their kidneys. You know, and it's just, why worry about it? Take it easy, nature will take care of it. You know, eat right, sleep, get a little sun. That's all you have to do. Have you been healthy your whole life? Huh? 
<laughs> what? You look amazing. Not going to say how old you are, but you look amazing. I'm 83, by the way. It's unbelievable. Hey, I'm still alive. Well, you're like a little kid. You know, you have and the thing when I was when I started out in the business. I used to do 80, 84 year olds, 85 year olds like this. Hey there, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. and it's certainly not like that. <laughs> when you get there, it's not like that. And Walter Brennan, when you were doing Walter Brennan, he was probably I don't he was probably nowhere near 80, right? When no, he was, no, he started out old. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Did he did he was an he was an old man when he was younger. <laughs> he's got he's got two voices, you know. He had this voice when he's talking, and mm, when he got started, he, he did that like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So okay, so when did you figure out that you could do who what was the first voice that you did? Bing Crosby. <laughs> okay, and six oh, years oh. old. Six years old. My mother took me to this way it all started. I got attention. Six kids in the family. Three were older and out and having their own lives. And uh and, and the three of us were Tom, Christine, and I. And uh and uh and uh, mom took me, I, so I used to be taken out there to, to have eye things. You know, I had a little eye problem when I was a kid. So I did she'd take me out and we'd have them at the doctor and she'd take me to a movie and on the way home from the doctors. And this one was called uh here come the waves with Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters, I think were in it. And he sang, accentuate the positive, not accentuate the positive, you know? And, and so when I get home with mom, dad came home a little late, she gave him dinner, he's sitting at the table and he says, what'd you see in the movie today, Christina? She said, let Johnny tell you. And I started out doing, you gotta accentuate the positive and doing all the moves he did. And then they looked and said, what is this? And mom used to wake me up at three in the morning sometimes at Annie and Uncle Joe would hang around too long, you know, have the last cup of coffee and the last piece of cake. And she did, Annie, shh, Johnny, Aunt Annie wants to see that thing I was telling you you do. So they do it for Aunt Annie and everybody behind. And that's the encouragement. That's the what that's what it's all about. If your kid has a little talent, don't make them do something, but encourage them. Don't be dragging them out to in, in interviews and stuff like that. Not when they're young, because they get turned down and then it's a long ride home, you know? So when did, okay, so you started out doing these little impressions at home and you were encouraged. I assume your parents were very proud of you and. Absolutely. Well, my father never saw me do anything because oh. he, died, he died when I was 11. But, but mom, when I first did the Ed Sullivan show, I found out I was going on that same night. Nobody even knew I went into audition. Nobody in the family knew I was even near the Sullivan show. So I called mom when I first found out the first thing you do is you don't have a wife, so you call your mother. <laughs> so I called my wife, I mean my mother, and, <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, mom, I'm going to be on the Sullivan show. Now, mom is the kind of person who didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable and have to sit through something they didn't have to sit through. So her first response was, which half? <laughs> So she could she could tell her sisters and the relatives and friends around so they wouldn't have to sit through their whole Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> you know the type, right? I, I do. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess mom and called his mom and said that um, I'm going to be on the cover of Time magazine, and she said, "Oh, I don't think we get that here." <laughs> <laughs> so. We all have our mothers. So funny. Yeah, yeah. We, all, we all have our mothers. Yeah, we all. So I, I I read about that story, which is quite amazing. You actually went 
for an audition for Ed, correct? That first time? Yeah, that, uh, I was told by Jack Babb, his, his talent coordinator, that uh, he came into the uh, the Vanguard. Your husband must know about, and you must know about the Vanguard in the village. And I had worked there for uh, an entire season. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and he came in one night and, and he heard me do the Ed Sullivan thing. And, and he said, well, you know, uh, we, I like what you did. If, if, you, if the old man come by and do dress rehearsal, and if the old man likes you in a couple of weeks, maybe we'll give you a show and put your show on. So I did the dress rehearsal. And I went back to the dressing room. I'm taking my makeup, makeup off in the, in the sink. And the guy comes knocking. Yeah, you're going on tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Ed loved me, and that was the way it goes, and that's the way it was. All of this, the seventeen or so shows I did, he was always like a a father figure, actually. Yeah, I think it's so wonderful that he was such a good sport about your impression of him. Oh yeah, he was great. You know, he really was great. He, he was terrific. He had a good time. Sometimes I'd make him laugh so hard he had to he'd have to hold on to himself with bend over and hold his knees. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun to make him laugh, boy. I'll tell you. Was. One of my favorite things you did on Ed Sullivan was when you would do Ed and Topo Gijo and uh Yeah. Hello Eddie. <laughs> Kiss me good night. Thank you. That's Thank what you. I was waiting for. <laughs> oh my god. Good night there, Topo. Say good night. Good night, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Well, so did these voices, was this something, I know some impressionists, I, as I told you, my, my ex is, is an impressionist. And a lot of times impressionists today learn how to do impressions. But he couldn't impersonate a husband. <laughs> well, that's why he's my husband. But <laughs> husband, so, I like it. Sometimes and impressionists learn how to do impressions by listening to other impressionists. Yes, uh, indeed, yeah. So, like, how did you get Ed? Like. Ed, well, you probably have heard of Will Jordan. Sure. Well, he was the first one I I saw do Ed. He got he slick his hair back, and he the eyebrows get dark, and he he get into this whole thing, you know. And uh, and I I liked his impersonation, and I loved the guy, and I always, you know, told him we we Ted be on the train going to Mike Douglas shows to Philadelphia a lot from Manhattan. And uh, and I got to know him and love him. And, and he always gave me credit for the only guy that did Ed Sullivan that didn't impersonate his impersonation. Wow, that's but, a compliment. And he'd say that from the stage every night. He mentioned my name. It'd be great. Wow. Yeah, I liked him for that too. <laughs> he didn't wow. have to do it, but I did appreciate that, yeah. That's quite lovely. And but so, he, did yeah, you, go ahead. go ahead, I'm sorry, no. no. <laughs> you, you, you. No, you. He was. Uh, we did a little radio show shortly before he died. We did a three-way radio show. Someone and and again, he gave me credit for that. And uh, and then he also said that uh, this guy, this a drummer person, he used to do comedy. Uh, I've forgotten his name, but he was he was doing George Jessel, but he was doing my George Jessel. And Will pointed that out, and I really appreciated it. I won't mention the guy's name. Uh, can you give us a little Georgie Jessel? Well, it all depends on how far you want to talk about this, because I was there, and I said, he's a wonderful person. <laughs> so another incredible uh, set of impressions that you, that you do is Dean and Jerry. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, can you give us a little Dean and Jerry? before I, talk I sure will. Hey, Jerry. 
I don't know why you're taking so much time getting ready. I look, look, Dean, you want to look good, you got to get dressed. You got to have a thing. How are you? What are you wearing? Oh, God. So did, were you always, were you a singer first or did you become a singer? Well, because I was a singer in, in, chorus, in, uh, in school, in high school, and in, uh, in choir in the church and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. I sang. I love to sing. I love to harmonize. Yeah. And so when you were doing the Vanguard back in the day, yes. you, you, you would do musical impressions as well. Yes. Johnny Mathis, it's not for me to say what you love. And uh, Frank, I'll see you. And uh, who else? So Mel, weepy dippy dubby wobby Okay, so uh, you know, I do the music with music, you know, so it was good, it was fun. And so, uh, Louis, Louis Prima, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, yeah, Louis Prima, dun, 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 on the way, on the way to the Venice. <laughs> oh my god, John, this, is, yeah, this yeah. is so thrilling for me, okay, so, so how did the career start? So, you're, you're a little kid, you're, you can do voices. You're funny. I was I was raising three children at the time. One wasn't there yet. I needed money. I was working for a swimming pool company, and I was doing little little bits and pieces of shows here and there. If I saw a, a talent show or what have you, and um, and I saw while driving the truck for the swimming pool company, I saw a sign in Syosset, Long Island, said uh, "Talent Every Night" and every Saturday night talent show. Not any talent show, entertainment every Saturday night. They didn't have talent shows. Entertainment every Saturday night. So I, uh, I was, uh, you know, my wife was telling me uh, that uh, we needed some money, and uh, I, I remember that sign. I put the suit on. I went into Syosset from, from I was living in uh, Baldwin at the time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we were living in Baldwin at the time, and I went to Syosset, and I was walking in, and it was one guy going like this, and somebody getting off the stage few people at the bar and about 15 people in the room and I said I found out who the boss was and he said uh, and I said hey you mind if I get up there and tell you well it couldn't hurt he said so I, I got up <laughs> I talked to the trio and we did some things and I was hired to do I was there every Saturday night for a year wow and so and so you get did you when did and, you get and, and excuse me, this is where I'm leading. I'm not leading you into where it really got interesting. Um, a friend of mine, uh, where the bass player uh, was in the group, um, and and he he was reading newspaper between shows there in that in the Oaks Club where it was, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, "Hey, they're having a a JFK contest contest in Manhattan." And Vaughn Mita had just made that big album, you know, First Family and all that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, and so they wanted you go in there because I was doing Kennedy and my act, and they know it was a big deal at the time. And and so I went in and I. I won the show, and and some, and and after that, everybody's sitting around and listening to everybody else get on the stage and do things. And one of the comics came up to me and he said, "Hey, you want to do an improv?" I didn't know what it was, something in the alley or what. I didn't know what he was talking about. So I said, I said, "I said, what's that?" And he says, "Well, you make up a thing and blah 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 blah." And so I said, "Yeah, why not?" You know. So what the heck? You know, I drove all the way in here from Long Island. And so I get up, and he has this idea. He tells me, standing in the wings, he says, "Okay, here's, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, the 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 airplane, and you be the you be the tower, and I need instructions to land, but my gear isn't down." 
right? And, and I'm going to call into you and we'll take it from there. So we get up there and he explains what we're going to do. And then it starts. And he had this rubber face and he'd go, um, <laughs> playing the tower, playing the tower, um, request permission to land. Um, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know. I was, ah, what? What am I going to So he tries again, playing the tower, um, playing the tower, um, request permission to land. And I'm, I'm sitting, so I always knew that three, if you don't get it out on the third, you're dead. So so I, no, God sh stuck this thing in my head, and I was a big fan of Rob, Rod Steiger and all that. It's in the book and how it happens. But but he tries for the third time. Is playing the tower, playing the tower. It's good permission to land. And I said, have I got news for you? <laughs> And that's all it took. And after that, uh, the audience laughed like you just did. And after that, there were agents and people interested in comedy and managing and what have you in the audience. And a man named Harry Columbia came up to me and I said, hey, you know, I, I he's a very nervous kind of guy. Yeah, I like, uh, I like that, you know, you have a good, uh, you know, the thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we had coffee and it turns out he was managing with a handshake, Thelonious Monk and wow. Mo Allison. And because and we we made a deal, and because because of that, I was able to get into all the jazz clubs in Manhattan, and uh, you know Birdland, and this, that, and the other thing, and uh, and then you know television came along in the vanguard. Okay, so, so out of so your first television was Ed Sullivan, yes? No. Oh, my first television was uh, was the Merv Griffin Talent Scout Show. Show now, a fellow I was in high school with, he had a father who was a, a cartoonist from newspapers and uh in Manhattan, and and he knew some people. and He got me in to see um, mm, mm, what the hell was his name <laughs> anyway? A famous producer, I'll get it probably in near the end of the story. Yeah. And it was it was he was producing the Merv Griffin talent scout show, which was very much like. The Arthur Godfrey old talent shouts when people would come on, actors, actors, singers, and they'd say, oh, I met this guy. I said, met this guy in a, a nightclub. I saw this guy on stage somewhere. But it was always the show that got the people. But they'd say, that, here's what you're going to say. You said, I <laughs> well, anyway, the show introduced me, which was Merv Griffin and Joe Calcagno, my friend's father. And, uh, and uh, I've forgotten the producer's name. But uh, if Annie was here, she'd throw it at me right there, but I had forgotten it. Anyway, I got to do a, a, sh a club in, uh, after that show, I got to do a club in Washington, D.C., The Shadows, and uh, and I worked with uh, Ama Jamal Trio, and um, and then I went back to the truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it was, you know, you're not going to get ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba jobs right away, so I had to go back to the truck. Right. And uh, and uh, you know the pool and the pool company and uh, and that that went on until I I got the uh, the uh, introduction to Harry Columbia who got me into the other things. So is that when you quit your day job when you? Well, you know I can't really remember when I really was a, a card carrying uh, actor. 1964, I think, yeah. 1964, not, not, not long after I got into the, in, really seriously into the business, I was getting busy enough to not to have to go to work. And so were you a road, were you a, wo a road warrior or was it all? Oh, was I a road? I mean, we did, I flew, I flew, I flew, I flew, I took trains, I drove, I, I, uh, you know, I did things in Florida, I did things in California, I did things in Canada 
and uh, and lots of lots of traveling, lots of traveling. And the the did you do the Catskills in the day? I did a couple of them. Gross Singers, I did uh, uh, Browns, mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, a couple others. And there's one place you didn't have to. Maybe your husband had something to do it. You didn't have to drive far. It was like a an hour trip up north. And this guy had a, a club up there. And and after each time you did the show, he'd give you a big cake to take home. <laughs> a beautiful idea, but try it in a cramped car, getting a right back Everybody's got a cake. <laughs> I like the cake. My, no, my father was a master of ceremonies in the Catskills. That's why. But but you were too big for, well, he was at Green Acres. You were too big for Green Acres in those oh, days. I never did that one. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one of the things I went to a, I went to when he brought my brought my son. He was about thirteen at the time. I brought my son with me to that job, and needless to say, it wasn't the place to bring my son. I had no idea because they brought us to our suite, and it had mirrors over the. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Like Mount Airy Lodge, the, the honeymoon place. Oh, it was one of those places, you know. Shirley, okay. Shirley will show, show you a good time in there, right, Shirley? This is in the, the office's, the office, the, the, the boss's office. Shirley, come here. This is Shirley. This is John. Jen, you need something? Shirley will get it for you. Right, Shirley? Right, Shirley. Wow. And so in those days when you were doing the clubs and you were road, road warrioring and all of that, you were coming up with some incredible people. I mean, you were in the time Lenny Bruce was that that was like this sort of the, your Lenny Bruce was near the end of his career. In fact, when I went out to visit uh, APA, uh, my first agency, they had a, uh, an office out in LA and they got me a little, a couple little jobs there, you know, and, uh, and um, I, 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 uh, I saw a sign that's Lenny Bruce tonight on a, on a theater marquee. And uh, I went in there and, uh, expecting that you know he talk about funny things but he talked about he talked about his uh his uh his situation with the with the uh with the courtroom mm. you know uh, irving mansfield was the name of the guy oh good one <laughs> thank you Yay. <laughs> he saw his face and the name went with it okay so he was doing he was he was up there in the khakis and walking back and forth with the microphone and you know, just talking about what happened in the courtroom and nothing was, I mean, you know, nothing was really designed to be funny. And I thought that was interesting, but, you know, I could, I could turn on a law show, so on television, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we didn't I, did, I did appreciate Harry would play his album for me when I'd go to Harry's house in Forest Hills, mm -hmm. Long Island, and, and uh, I listened to him. And Harry introduced me to a lot of things I hadn't heard of before, like Bob Dylan. <laughs> he was in the Bob Dylan earlier. So and now I, Bob Dylan must have been playing the village when you were down there. <clears throat> no, I never. Where where I did, my kids went to school with Bob Dylan's kids and all that. And my kids went to all the schools, go with, you know, all these people out there that were, you know. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and I didn't meet Bob Dylan until I went to New Zealand. What? How did that happen? Well, I went to New Zealand with my daughter, Sandra. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a place in Fiji at the time, and I wanted to see what New Zealand was like. So I flew over there with Sandra, and, uh, <clears throat> and she, we leased a house for a few months, rented a house for a few months. 
And uh, I saw that Bob Dylan was was playing at another part of the world uh, of, of New Zealand. So I jumped in a bus and I took the bus to where they, they told me to, you know, get off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I was there was a big crowd waiting to buy tickets in one of these trailers they had jacked up on a couple of, you know, uh, uh, cylinder blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, and so the crowd was pushing against me when I was at the ticket booth. And I couldn't, I didn't think I was going to get back. So I ducked, ducked down under the ticket booth and crawled under the ticket booth. And there was a policeman on the other side of the ticket booth. And that was inside the gate, <laughs> inside the gate, inside the gate. And I had my ticket and, and, I, and, he, and I said, I, my kids went to school with Bob, with Bob Dylan's kids. And, you know, they put me on the stage off because the place was so crowded. They took a fold. They didn't know me from... Jack Parr, and they put on a folding chair and set me off stage, just off the stage, stage right. And uh, I watched the show with Tom Petty and opening for Bob. And after the show, I went back and I said hi to Bob, and we talked about the kids for a few minutes and reminisced, and that was it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think good things happen to you, John, because you have this great attitude. I really do. I think you attract... I think you attract your your luck or your luck. Well, you know, it's it it. Some people take it take it another way. You know, like uh, when I worked with uh, Woody Allen, I did a, a thing with Woody Allen and, and Liza Minnelli, uh, a special for Kraft Music Hall. Remember when they used to have specials? Yeah. And different things would be on each time, mm-hmm. which I later I worked with uh, Eddie Arnold there. Mm-hmm. And, and anyway, uh, <clears throat> Woody Allen uh, and I were not, you know chummy at rehearsals i'm not a talker i don't try to get close to the star and any of that stuff i just I read my script i do the thing i do some bum, 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 bum. and uh and uh you know when it got to in front of a live audience it turned into a different situation <laughs> and uh and that was kind of, you see because because he think he, he probably thought i i didn't like him because i wasn't buttering up to him or, you know, hanging out or wanting to go to lunch with him or whatever. But whatever it was, something clicked in him and he took advantage of that, that click. And he threw me against the thing where he was actually supposed to just set me aside from Liza Minnelli. And, uh, and then he punched me in the stomach at one point and I punched what? him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing a, we were doing a takeoff on the uh, Bonnie and Clyde thing. Okay. It was very popular at the time, 67, I think oh, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, so we're doing Bunny and Clyde, and I, I played his uh, older brother, and uh, and uh, and and I drive to the spot where he's hiding out with his with with Bonnie mm-hmm. up in the cabin, and uh, and we're supposed to do like light fisticuffs, like you like this southern people do. Hey, how you doing? You know, patting each other on the shoulder and stuff like that. You know, that was not the way rehearsal was patting the shoulder, but in the rear with the audience and everybody around. I got up to him and he went bow. And I went bow back. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what's your, what was your impression of him as a, as a person? Well, after that or beforehand? Both. After that, I thought he was a little nuts. Yeah. And before that, I, I thought he was, you know, he was a kind of a sophisticated kind of, can, uh, you know, he just had all these words that I didn't understand in the stand-up, but I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who, John, who were your comedic heroes when you were? Um... Jerry Lewis. Jerry, yes, my father passed away. I was in the dumps and a, a friend of mine had a TV at his house and he invited me over to see the 
Colgate Comedy Hour, and uh, I was sitting there not wanting to enjoy anything, and he had me roaring in five minutes, and I forgot all about my – and I said, wow, what a way to make a buck. Wow. <laughs> Did you ever get to do what did what did Dean and Jerry think of you? Your Dean and Jerry. Oh, Jerry loved me and Dean liked me too. Hey, John, what are you doing? You know, he's, they just liked me. I was uh, I was invited to do a, a a series with with Jerry, which only lasted about four four uh, hours in total. But uh, uh, I was his uh, you know his second hand man there on that series. I was his Dean Martin basically. Wow. How yeah. so? You and you got to work with a lot of your heroes. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. All the, the people that Fred Astaire. Well, Bing Crosby, I worked with quite a bit. And uh, and uh, what did Frank think of your Frank? Did you ever? I, I heard his daughter once say on the radio when I was younger, at the radio on, new in the business, and she said she used my name and said he's the only one that really does my father. Wow, that. That's a pretty high compliment, right? Yeah. yeah. That's Nancy said that on a, an interview show. That's a pretty high compliment. And Bill Tomei's son said the same thing about me. He said, you you do my father real well, the best. Mel's son's band leader is on here. Steve Rollins is watching right now. He he uh, he plays piano for Mel. What a uh, great musician Mel was, my God. And so um, can you do a little Mel? Well, whippy dippy whoppy doo. You know, I tell a story about how Mel was uh, was a, such a, a, a humanitarian, <laughs> a humane man. He rescued a dog in, in Vegas, and uh, he came, knocked on my door, a beautiful German Shepherd, and, and uh, I opened the door, and he was in his tux from living it off the premises with his new wife, Jan Scott, and. Uh, and I looked at, and this beautiful dog is sitting there, and and uh, and 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 I, I he said, uh, "What do you think?" Looking down at the dog, and then back at me, and I said, "Beautiful dog, want to know how I got him?" I said, <laughs> I said, "How'd you get him?" Well, Jen and I were looking out. We were on the terrace the other day. We looked out. And we saw this dog in the yard, in the backyard, and he didn't have water. So I knocked on the guy's door on my way here a couple of days ago, and I said. If I see that dog without water again, I'm taking him. There he is. Wow. And that dog rode shotgun in his Rolls Royce for seven years. Wow. Yeah. Kind of lovely. John, did you have a way in when, when you're trying to get somebody? Does it just come? Do you have do you have a way in? Is there something that you like let's say like, Well, I'll tell you. Uh, if I like somebody, I do them. I, if I don't like somebody, I don't do them. And somebody once said, you liked George Jesso? I said, I thought he was a funny man. And, <laughs> and he made me laugh, you know, with his young girls, he his nieces and all that kind of stuff, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I have to like him first. And, uh, and I was doing uh, Get Smart, and I was playing a guy named, of all things, Gorshin. That's the name they gave me for the character. But just like that, Mel Brooks. And so I uh I uh I, I had to I had to impersonate JFK. No, not JFK, but uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh well there's you know that thing and uh <laughs> and also do uh, do a, a, a wonderful actor named Paul Stewart. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh 
and I, I didn't, I hadn't heard Paul Stewart enough in my life to know how to do him. And, and the first day we opened the book and we closed it and I walked over to Paul and I said, Paul, I don't, I, and he said, you have a, a tape recorder where you live? And I said, yeah, he came to my apartment, knocked on the door, had his script and read the part that I was supposed to do as him in the, the phone to trick people. And, and I thought that was a great thing. And, and I, I listened to it. I listened to it for a couple, three hours back and forth. And, and then I started to do Paul, Paul Stewart. <laughs> and that's the way he talked. Uh, I don't know. I'll go check on it for you. Yeah. Is there anybody that you couldn't get, that you wanted to get, that you just some couldn't people, get? Some, some people are just out of, out of the, you know, like uh, Lee Marvin. You know, you have to be, you have to be out of your head, drunk, <laughs> wake up the next morning and go, I was born under a wall. I can't. You have to. Yeah. But those people that are out of range, you know, it's it's a little difficult. Right. But and and how long would it usually take you to get somebody? Well, Paul Stewart. Paul Stewart was overnight. You know. Wow. Overnight. Yeah. And, so, and as far as writing your act, um, I'll, you give you, I'll give you a situation where it backfired, backfired on me. Okay. I was at, uh, the, uh, what are they called? Uh, copycats. Remember that? Yeah. Copycats? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I did one of those shows, not, mm -hmm. not more than one, but I went up to Canada to do the copycats. And what they do is they get a bunch of us, we impersonation, impersonators in a room, and they'll say, okay, we'll do this where we read the script and just go, okay, and this one you're going to be so-and-so, and this one you're going to be Jack Palance, and then this and point to somebody else, you'll be K-Star and whatever the heck it was, right? Right. And he gave me Humphrey Bogart. And I had never done Humphrey Bogart. You know, I did Cagney. <laughs> you know, but I've never done, wait a minute, why are you laughing? Who <laughs> did it? Who did it? <laughs> but anyway, I did Cagney, but I never picked up on him. I never really thought to do him, you know. Uh -huh. So uh, I did. I did the lines as best I could at rehearsal, and and uh, and, the, and I was getting uh, driven back uh, to the motel that they set me up in, and the producer said, uh, the writer producer said, uh, John, uh, the the thing that. Uh, Humphrey Bogart. Oh, I just I said, don't worry about it. I'll by tomorrow I'll have it down. I'll have it down. So at the time, God helped me. I was smoking cigarettes, so I smoked a lot of cigarettes, and I got down to where I was talking, and I was getting it pretty good. <laughs> where I really sounded like a my. You know, oh my God, that's fabulous! Stuff that dreams are made of, you know that kind of thing. So, oh. so I, uh, I can't wait to throw it at these guys when they pick me up in the morning to take me to the studio and here they come. Here they come, they pick me up, I get in the car, I slide in, they go, oh, John, the Bogart thing is out. <gasps> there you go. Oh. Yeah. But then you had Bogart after that. Yeah, I used him all the time. <laughs> Especially on my answer service. <laughs> you wanna leave a message, you better hurry up. We're running out of time. So there you go. Did you do that stuff in life? Like call people and pretend to be somebody else? And no, 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 no. I see what Rich Little years ago uh, uh, sold himself out to make recordings for people. So if they wanted to say, uh, oh, this is Jimmy and I'm not home right now, he'd do it, you know, and he'd get paid for it. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that.
No, I, I meant as a joke. Like, did you ever? I don't know. But uh, oh, once I was once I was in a club, and uh, and the guy said, uh, 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 one of the guys in the band came over to me and said between shows and said, "Look, you do such a good Dean Martin. Can you pretend you're Dean Martin? Call my wife." And I did it. <laughs> yeah. I said, Louise, how are you? I just stopped in for a drink. And your husband asked me to call a right, nice guy. And she said, Oh, you're going to be there? I can get dressed in five minutes. No, that's, no. I got back into myself. Don't worry about it. No, I'm kidding you. You know, that's really sweet. Yeah. So, so how did the right, how did you construct your act? Like, were you always a writer? Was that something that came natural to you? Construct my act. No, I I used to do. I used to talk about the. You know, I I used my my uh, my uh, like like I worked a gas station for a while. You know, and you find things in life that that uh, really really are like uh, you can't write things like that. Like I, I I was on the road. This is true. I'm on the road and I hear this strange noise in the car. It's like you know I I didn't have brand new cars at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and I hear this uh, this ding 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 ding. So I got I know it got oil in it. I go okay, I can't understand it. I I pull into this gas station, and 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 the guy comes out. He says, "What? You got gas?" So I said, "No, I'm having trouble with the engine." He says, "Well, you know, let me take a look at it." And he says, "Pull the pull the hood." He looks out. He says, "Start it up." Boom 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 boom. I just tried to go, a little He comes to the window, I swear. And he says, I know what it is. I said, what is it? You got something hitting against something in there. That's what he said to me. A five-year-old could have told me that. <laughs> you know, something's hitting against something in there. So I told that from the stage, and it gets big laughs. It used to, anyway. No, no, no. It's 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 it's. I I, I got distracted. I'm looking at the things that people are are saying. No, no but nowadays cars are different. You know, I remember well, no, they're no. doing the Des O'Connor show over in England, and 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 I had to change that to 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 boot. I lifted up the boot. I did the boot to the trunk. I had to say the boot and the you know and the different things, and it was interesting to change the joke. Because I had to change to, you know, right. Said things, yeah. So go ahead. What are you going to say? Well, I got distracted because I, I'm looking. There's, you can't see all the comments, but all these people are sending you all of this love and asking all of these questions and telling you Ooh. they love. Okay. And you, you can't read them, but I'm, I, I was just. That's why I got distracted because I was just kind of looking because the thread was moving really fast. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, I'll, so I'll try it again. I'll try it again. <laughs> hitting against something. <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty good audience. I know you're a very good audience. I kind of think you're brilliant, so okay, you can't do very you. wrong by me. Um, you make me laugh all the time, and you always have. Okay, so so segueing into TV, so you do you do the Merv Griffin thing. You the Ed Sullivan thing ends up being this miraculous experience that you end yeah. up yes on a fluke. And it's uh, after that. It was nightclubs and the, direct from the Sullivan show on the Marquis, and and the wow. Carson show was the same. Direct from the Carson show, two big shows that if you got on them, you were you were so much more respected and and uh, wanted to be you know by by different people. And 
different shows. It was neat. Let's talk about Johnny for a minute. I was watching one uh, last night. You were on with Buddy Rich and Shelly Winters. It's so great how everybody would be on the on the panel at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, kicking things around is fun. And Shelly was the first guest. You were the second guest. And then Buddy was being interviewed at the time that I tuned in. Uh-huh. And Shelly was asking him kind of crazy questions, which he wasn't appreciating very much. You were being just funny. Um, what was it like? What was it like doing Johnny for the first time? Well, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a, a, a something that I felt I was going to do sooner or later, and I, my first interview up there uh, went didn't go well. And but later on in life, uh, later a, a year or so later, John Carsey, a friend of mine from uh, from Bud Friedman's uh, Improv. Mm-hmm. I had met him there, and he was he was writing, but he wasn't the head writer at the time for Johnny Carson. Then he became the head writer, and and he was able to have me do an, a, a decent interview, and I got the job. And to do his show the first time was like, you know, the first time I did the Sullivan Show. It was just like, holy cow, here I am. <laughs> you know, I've been watching Sullivan as I, since I was a kid, and now, now I'm on the show, and there he is, and holy cow, you know. Ray Block, these people, you names you'd heard and never saw a face, you know, and uh, and uh, Bob Precht, his son-in-law, and uh, it was just uh, a wonderful experience. And so, did they tell you the first time that if Johnny likes you, he'll call you over to the cap? Did you get that talk? No, no, I I didn't even expect it. I just I didn't expect it. In fact, I can't even tell you if he if he had me over the first time. I really can't. I don't well, remember. I mean, but the first time that he did, was yeah. that like, was that an unexpected thrill? What was that like? Well, you, you never know, you know, if the time time allowing and all that kind of stuff. Of course it was. You sit down and here you are sitting next to him for the first time, you know, and uh, it, it isn't that you can meet him in the green room. He's not sitting on a couch and you never do get to meet him, really. Right. Uh, and then... Uh, and then you you get to meet him and you get to throw things out at him and back to him and he throws things at you and I really love doing his show because he did something that people don't do these days and they he listened he listened and if he found something interesting he he would lead you back into that it wasn't always looking at the script looking at and and oh and I hear you're going to do a movie you know it was oh it was just you know it was nice he, he was the best he was because that is the secret because he listened. Yeah, absolutely. It was always a conversation. He yeah. wasn't sitting there in his nose. It doesn't happen anymore. Everybody wants to get the laugh. You know, everybody wants to get the laugh. If a guy if a guy sits down on the couch and he gets a laugh, and it reminds you of the, of the host, he'll get a laugh. Well, so how about Letterman? What was that like for you? Letterman, uh, Letterman was like a friend out in Malibu. You know, he always asked me, how come you're not, uh, you're not, uh, <laughs> first time I said it. He said, hey, John, John, how, how come we did the uh, Hollywood Squares together a couple of times? And once he said to me, John, why is it, you know, because I knew you were invited, but why don't you host the Carson show Monday nights? And I said, because I don't have three friends. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'll do it with you. Oh. <laughs> Wow. But I was doing the Bizarre Show at the time, and I thought, once you you know, just keep it going, you know. I just, I, I watched a couple of episodes today. Um, you have done some, so how did Super Dave happen? How, how, you, you, cre- you 
introduced us to Super Dave. Obviously, obviously, uh, some of these uh, fact people people aren't. He his first time on the sh uh, on my show wasn't the first time for him, so I didn't I didn't get a piece of the action. <laughs> that was in the contract. If anything came from the show Bizarre, I'd get a piece of the action. So after well, who was on your show before your your no, but Super Dave Super Dave showed up. <laughs> I mean, you know, Super Dave showed up once and then I heard he was going to be on it several times. And he says, you know, if this becomes a spinoff, you you can't get anything because I did it once before on the on the uh, Dick Van Dyke show. And wow. he did. I asked Dick, I asked Dick once we were having lunch or something and I asked him, did he do? Yeah, yeah, he did first on the show. <laughs> so there you go. You know, they're thinking of the butt all the time. Anyway. Mm -hmm. How about soap? How, what was that? Ex so, so were you a trained actor? Did you ever take classes? Nary a one. Nary a one. No, no. I just walked into it and tried to feel. I, I tried to feel what the character is supposed to be like after I, I meet the cast and they, they let me know what their characters are going to be like in the rhythm of the show, and then I, then I add, then I add. I, I there's a, there's a story that I, 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 I worked with. Uh, uh, the, the guy the, the guy that talked like a gangster you know he is uh what the hell was his name <laughs> oh my god it'll come. I, um, yeah it'll come halfway through the next story like it did with something with, with a d not, not emirate not um something with a d no uh, all right okay <laughs> starts, right. starts with a number three okay <laughs> so so anyway uh uh he he knew having worked with me on the uh Early when the first one on the first one he worked with me on, on the Jerry Van Dyke show he was the producer and writer on that, and uh, and he was he was going to produce this show and I was he was sitting here at the head of the table on the first day as you know people come in and they all sit down the cameraman and the makeup people and they all sit around this huge table and or in the back of us and huge tables and they listen to the breakdown and the, how the jokes went and this that and the other thing, and uh, and I was just turning the page, not to be a smart ass, but I was just turning the page and reading my lines, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm talking to you. So mm -hmm. then I come in and I go, blah, 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 blah. And, and after, and you know, Ruth Buzzy was in it and, uh, and, and she was flailing and doing her lines and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and, and I, I just sat there and reading my lines. And so after everything was done and the other actors, they closed the book and there was like this dead silence, you know, you can, <laughs> And this producer said, don't worry, Biner's a slow starter. <laughs> Somebody wrote Sheldon Leonard. Are you talking Sheldon, about That's him. Thank you, Barbara. <laughs> Thank you very much. I should get these names out. and have, Yeah, Sheldon Leonard. When I go back in, in those days. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so it turned out that I was a big hit because, uh, because I had this character that I threw in there at the last minute that they loved. I love and so now hosting a whole nother a whole nother talent. Yes, that's that's the how did yeah. you do something else? How did that happen? Well, a comedy on the road is, is probably what you're talking about. Uh, that was no, I did I did a I did a thing called something else. Something else, that's what I'm yeah. Oh yeah, but comedy on the road I hosted there. But this one I had to dance. Comedy on the road was the thing that I, my ex was on with you. And you Oh, know, that's right. You said that. Yeah, but I was something home. else is before that. That's the one you were referring to, but I was wrong. Okay, so so um, something uh, else is the seventies, right? Something else was nineteen sixty-eight to be oh, exact. Wow! 
and uh, and uh, I was hired. Uh, at Robert Peterson Productions. He has all those automobiles and all those magazines, the guns and the things and the thing and the tents, what have you, and all those magazines. And he thought he'd like to be produced. So so I got into that show, and I worked with six beautiful dancers, girl dancers, and, and Bobby Bannis was their choreographer, and Anita Mann was another dancer choreographer, and we traveled around the country, and and. Uh, and we listened to uh, uh, people that were on the jukeboxes, a uh, hit parade and all that kind of stuff and things. And we had a lot of great acts on the show, singers and Taj Mahal and, and uh, mm. Three Dog Night and uh, and Linda Ronstadt and all these different wow. people and different shows. And it was it was it was great. To, it was great to host it because I got to be different characters. If we went to Chinatown, they dressed me up like a, a Chinaman and we did a whole Chinese dance and and different things like that. And it was quite a, a, a fun experience. That's a was a Hollywood Square. I have friends from that show that we we contact each other. <clears throat> but what was the question? Um, well, oh, I, I moved ahead too fast. So then Bizarre, yeah. Bizarre was yeah, well, Bizarre came right after 1980, right after the soap show uh, mm -hmm. program, uh, and I I was uh, hired by Bob Einstein, who later was Super Dave, or was Super Dave before he hired me, obviously, and and uh, Alan Bly, and uh, there and Alan Bly is Canadian, so they had a lot of a lot of connections up there. So we we did a, a few little spots in L.A., and then we flew up and did the rest of the. Uh, five seasons, uh, 10 weeks every summer uh, in Toronto, Canada, which isn't bad duty, you know. <laughs> it's beautiful, really fun. And I love doing it because I had to do all, all these. It was like a high school kid's dream to be all these different characters and be able to take parts in my act and, and turn them into different uh, situations. And, and it was just a, a fun thing to do. And I, I got to love Bob Einstein. And we had a lot of fun together and we had a lot of laughs. And and uh, you know, it, when we weren't shooting, we'd go out and do some uh, fun things, and um, and I'd do it again if I had to, and I loved it. And uh, and uh, then the Super Dave show became popular. One day he said to me, <clears throat> in the fifth after the end of the fifth season, I've had enough of this. What do you say? And what am I going to say? He's a producer. I'm going to say, do I want to go on? No. So so the Super Dave came into being, and I I I got I I did a one of his. Super Dave shows. So it's, it seems to me that that would have been one of the most fun things you've done in your career because you got to wear all your hats. You got to be an actor. You're an impression. I got to write a little bit. I got to, you know, and, and my comedy, on my uh, John Biner comedy show, a lot of the things I did in my act were turned into different characters and, and uh, subject matter was turned into different characters. Now, funny thing, <clears throat> interesting about that show, excuse me, is that is that when I went in to do that show the first day, uh, Red Butler, the, uh, the costume man, took me in and, and put me in all kinds of different costumes and took pictures. And they sent them up to the writers, and the writers wrote different things that go with different pictures. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how the characters were born. Yeah. How, how thrilling was it when you got to have a show named after you? That was fun. I had my my name on the parking lot, uh, <laughs> CBS. It was exciting. It was fun. It was fun. Exciting. And you know, in the hallways with, with Carol O'Connor and uh, and Car and Carol uh, uh, Burnett. Pardon. 
Burnett. Carol Burnett, yes, Carol Burnett. How can I forget her name? Gee, it's getting late. So anyway, Carol Burnett, I love Carol Burnett. And I did- It was her show. So what was it like doing the Carol Burnett show? It was like, uh, it was like so comfortable. I mean, Carol was like a sister. She was so calm and nice and encouraging. And she had a rich, beautiful, she still does. I don't talk about past tense, but in the show, uh, she, she has a rich laugh, an honest laugh, and and she, her characters. I mean, she forget about it. You know, she could do anything. Was and, was uh, the Hollywood Squares fun for you? Did you guys absolutely? I speak. I, I speak. <clears throat> I speak with Peter Marshall all the time. In fact, we talked yesterday day before yesterday. Great fun. Great people. I met so many stars that came through there. Paul Land and uh, <laughs> these great people. And uh, and it was a, a terrific show to take part in because it was like you sat in your booth and they and and, and Peter would throw messages uh, 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 questions at you that, that pertain to your life. And so you could answer them like I could answer them like different people and this and that and the other thing. And yeah. so um, I have a uh, I, okay, one of our viewers is uh, Cindy Beagle. She wrote on Happy Days. She wrote on all of Gary's shows. And we both read the same bit of trivia about you that you had been offered the role of Mork from Ork on Happy Days. And you there were never a bigger lie, that was it. Quest Here's the story. Oh. I was dating a, a lovely young lady that was in Happy Days, uh, you know, a person that did uh, different times. She'd come in. Semi-regular, okay, and uh, and she knew uh, naturally uh, Ron Howard and his mm -hmm. wife. Mm -hmm. She was having dinner, and she invited Ron over. I guess because Ron said he'd like to meet me and ask me a question or two. So, so we had dinner. It was a very nice, nice thing. And afterwards, you know, you have your coffee and cake, and you're in the living room. And uh, and he said, John, they're looking for someone to play uh, this character, and and uh, you go over to the studio and audition, and you know. Tell him, tell him, I said, whatever. And I said, what's he, what's the character like? Do you know? And he said, yeah, he's a kind of makes these noises. He came from another planet. And I said, no, I don't think so. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I was, you know, I wanted to do that. I mean, anything like that, but you know, I just didn't want to do that all the time. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so I thought, you know, so, so I passed on it and that's as far as it went. I see, because never, never left that living room. I never, uh, never auditioned. And as they made a movie for it, they made a, a movie. Did you ever see the movie, the Rob, the, the Robin Williams thing, and the Mork and Mindy? They're making a Mork and Mindy movie. No. Yeah. So in that, they have a redheaded guy playing me in the studio, auditioning for it, and looking at the script and saying, "This is crap," and throwing yeah, it. That's what I heard. Yeah, and 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 stomping out the studio. Now I never did that. I never said that. I always had respect for the people in the studios. You know, because Cindy was a writer on the show, and she was saying, "I wonder if it was a bad script, and they wrote it again for for Robin." No, no I never saw. I, I I knew all the people that were, but I never I never I never read for it. I never had. If they can show me a video, I never ever got that drunk to where I get, where I do an audition and not remember it. You know? <laughs> so, and and that was never a problem in your life, was it? You were never a substance abuser, or drug. 
I had my nights, you know, I had my nights with the guys. I used to mm -hmm. hang out with uh, Roger Miller and people that just partied a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but I wasn't uh, rich enough to kill myself. Let's put it that way. <laughs> How fortunate that is. Yeah, you I'm one of these guys that kicked in real fast and they bought pounds of this and t tons of that, you know. And doing. So what, what John, uh, and so then recently, one of the more recent things you did was lore. Yes. Um, is, is what, if, if you could do anything next in your career, is there something you'd still like to do? Well, thank God. And you know, I went through my life seeing all these Broadway shows and television, you know, Broadway and blah, 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 all these Broadway movies. And I thought, what, what must it be like? I know, you know, I've worked, I've been backstage in a lot of shows and stuff, but I didn't know, I wondered what it was like. And, and Nathan Lane came into my life and I found out. And the Broadway was always the thing that was, what, what, what is it? It's mystical, you know? And, and, and so I got to do that and I saw what that is. <clears throat> and at this time in my life, I like to do, I like, I like the rhythm of a, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I like the rhythm of a, a movie that's got a lot of backing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's because, a good rhythm. Oh boy. I'll tell you, they're so comfortable, you know, you know, you just, <laughs> you just, okay, John, we finished that. We'll see you Thursday. You know, <laughs> it's nice. It's been, the pace is nice. It isn't hurry up. Let's go because you know the low budget movies. Okay, take it on the run. You know, go right back and and the, the you know the other ones, the big ones are wonderful. Super eight. How was it fun to work with Burt Reynolds? What I mean, yes. I mean, he was guy. He's, we had fun, lots of fun in life prior to this, and he he told me he hired me for Lonnie. Lonnie and I uh, worked on a, a, a movie for television. Uh, three on a date, and uh, and uh, we had a good time. We enjoyed each other's company as well. We did everybody else's, and and so I guess she spoke well of me, and and he surprised her with me. <laughs> In fact, it, it, he didn't have me on any of the flyers. My name wasn't there, and he apologized. Oh, I don't even know if I'm in the credits, but I I get residuals. <laughs> That's all that matters, right? So. Um uh nathan wrote a beautiful forward to your book and um his uh his admiration for you his respect for you uh was just lovely and i'm sorry that i didn't get to see that show because it sounded like you were great fun we had a lot of fun yeah yeah um so john let's talk about the book before we go so okay. yeah. Mr. so what what uh what inspired you why why, why write a book Oh gosh, you know, Vicky, you you probably told stories, and your your dad had, and of of his experiences when he worked, and 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 as I did telling telling my friend on the planes and the trains and the and the comedy on the road thing, uh, uh, he said, if you ever want to write a book about some of these things, I'll help you. And uh, after the after the fourth year of of uh, being on the road doing different comics around Mexico and Canada and what have you, England. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, if you ever want to write a book, I'll help you. And so years went by. I, I was in touch with Doug for various reasons. I work in Vegas and he'd come in to see me from Utah. And and uh, and so I, I called him one day. I said, remember you said that about the book? Yeah. He said, yeah. So that's how it started about two and a half years ago. 
Okay, it only took me 13 to write mine. So what was your, pro there's a lot of writers on here. What was your process for writing your book? What Did you have a daily practice? What would you do? No, I mean, in the time, you know, I played golf with my friends and I have a life. I didn't sit down to uh, uh, the typewriter and, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> I'd go out there and I'd think about something or somebody mentioned somebody's name and bell would ring and I, I'd come back and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd email it to Doug and he'd say, yeah, that's a good one. Let's do that. And you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd type all that out and he'd take it and he'd refine it times and diff that and the other thing. And, it, and he'd send it back to me refined. And I'd say, yeah, it's good, Bob. And that's the way it worked. Because it's really your voice. I mean, I can hear you as I'm reading it. Well, you should hear my audio version. <laughs> I, 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 I had a friend of mine. She said, it's, I feel like my daughter. She said, Dad, I feel like you're talking to me. This is Your daughter's on it, watching the show, by the way. I saw her name come up. Oh, yes, yeah, Sandra? Sandra's on, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah. She's all that stuff. Yeah, that's good. She's in uh, Hollywood. Yes, it's local to me. We're, we're yeah. Facebook friends. I was Facebook I have friends. A son, I have a son. My son is in New Mexico, and my two daughters are down here with me in Florida. Not so in the house, but they have their own lives and different houses. Different are you, have you seen them during COVID, or do you visit? Oh, yeah. I go across. My daughter lives in, my daughter works in the place across the way, and I stop by to see her. And, and uh, my other daughter, uh, Patty, live, works up at uh, the airport. And when I'm on the way up and back there, I'll pop in and see her. But the mask and then we stand, you know, away from each other and all that kind of stuff. Well, John, this has been uh, more than a dream come true for me. Five minutes, Mr. Biner is the name of the book. <laughs> I, have the link, I have the link to buy the book. promo for the show. Yeah. And I'm going to put it out all over the place. And the link to buy the book is going to be right in there. Nice. And um, I am so very grateful to you for doing this. And so I'm, I'm grateful for you being interested enough to have me on your show and uh, and good luck with all that you do. Thank you, John. Okay, and everybody out there, thank you for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Thank you.